0: Welcome back to the Hemingway List podcast of brilliance. You are brilliant for being here. Um, We're all brilliant. We're all brilliant here, I say. I declare that as I stall while I open up the page that I need. Um, What did you think of the depiction of Amaya's grief Do you think Tolstoy portrayed a realistic account of loss? She's being very pragmatic, and I think that is pretty realistic in the kind of immediate aftermath. Um, You know, even the first few days or week, even, um, people can get super, like, kind of productive after they, you know, lose a loved one. Uh, it's almost like a bit of a denial phase, maybe. Not, not, it might not be denial or shock or something like that. But uh, it kind of kicks them into gear. And I feel like I've got to get everything done all at once. And you see a little bit of that with Maya. Do you think Maya's behavior is in line with her character? Has it surprised you in any way? I don't think you can judge someone's behavior in the immediate aftermath of a traumatic event. Because... We don't act ourselves in a traumatic time. Ripster 66 says, Poor Maya is not even grieving a huge loss of one of the most important people in her life. She's also grappling, or sorry, not only grieving a huge loss, she's also grappling with her guilt about how she dealt with his illness. Her spiritual baseness as Tolstoy described it. The experience of hearing people speak but not comprehending or hiding away and not wanting to interact with people is pretty spot on with my own experience of grief. The world goes on but you just can't fathom how everything hasn't just stopped because it feels like everything should stop. I love the moment when she snapped out of it when Madame Boreen suggests staying behind and falling on the mercy of the French. Oh, yeah, channeling her brother and father. She tried to take control and figure out how to get out of there. Go, Maya. She's never had the chance to control her own destiny and I hope she succeeds. I guess she hasn't really had the chance to control her own destiny and to take the reins, but, you know, she's her father's daughter and her brother's sister, you know, her brother and her father would be excellent uh, role models. So she'd be more than capable. She's just from that kind of stock, you know. She's from a family of people who know how to handle severe situations so it's cool to see her kick into gear and just start being like alright here's what we got to do and knowing the ideals of her brother and father straight up when M- Mademoiselle Boreen says you know maybe the French won't be too bad if we can just hang out here and they won't um, they won't bother us and she's kind of been like what we really think what will my father say about just letting the French control us like that even if they are being magnanimous invaders. Just still letting them invade. No way. Prince Kane says, Maya seems to be concentrating on matters at hand rather than her own grief. The channeling her brother and father to try to help people might also be her trying to temporarily become someone else so she can forget her own worries. I think she's just trying to pick up where her father left off is really what I think it is. Um... And also, yeah, the whole stay busy thing. It's not even about staying busy. It's just the feeling of, oh no, now I have to organize everything. I'm very happy to see her finally taking intuitive, initiative, sorry, uh, into something for once. This is Prince Kane. Um, and doing some, doing so somewhat well, despite her being unaccustomed to this much freedom. I think we've all been wanting since the start of the book, to see Maya come into her own and take control of her destiny. So it is an exciting time in that regard. Let's keep reading chapter 11. It goes like this. An hour later, Danyasha came to tell the princess that Dron had come and all the peasants had assembled at the barn by the princess's order and wished to have a word with with their mistress. "'But I never told them to come,' said Princess Mary. "'I only told Dron to let them have the grain.' "'Only for God's sake, Princess dear. "'Have them sent away and don't go out to them. "'It's all a trick,' said Danyasha. "'And when Yakov al returns, let us get away. "'Please don't.' "'What is a trick?' asked Princess Mary in surprise. "'I know it is. "'Only listen to me for God's sake. "'Ask nurse, too. "'They say they don't agree to leave Bogotrovo as you ordered.' "'You're making some mistake. "'I never ordered them to go away,' said Princess Mary. "'Call Dranushka.' Dron came and confirmed Danyasha's words. The peasants had come by the princess's order. But I never sent for them, declared the princess. You must have given my message wrong. I only said that you were to give them the grain. Dron only sighed in reply. If you order it, they will go away, said he. No, no, I'll go out to them, said Princess Mary. And in spite of the nurses and Danyasha's protests, she went out into the porch "'Dron, Danyasha, the nurse, and Michael Ivanovich following her. "'They probably think I'm offering them the grain to bribe them to remain here, "'while I myself go away leaving them to the mercy of the French,' "'thought Princess Mary. "'I will offer them monthly rations and housing at the Moscow estate. "'I'm sure would be, would do even more in my place,' "'she thought as she went out in the twilight toward the crowd standing on the pasture by the barn. "'The men crowded closer together, stirred, and rapidly took off their hats,' Princess Mary lowered her eyes, and, tripping over her skirt, came close up to them. So many different eyes, old and young, were fixed on her, and there were so many different faces that she could could not distinguish any of them, and, feeling that she must speak to them all at once, did not know how to do it. But again, the sense that she represented her father and her brother gave her courage, and she boldly began her speech. "'I am very glad you have come,' she said, without raising her eyes." And feeling her heart beating quickly and violently, Dronushka tells me that the war has ruined you, that is our common misfortune, and I shall grudge nothing to help you. I am myself going away because it is dangerous here, the enemy is near, because I am giving you everything, my friends, and I beg you to take everything, all our grain, so that you may not suffer want. And if you have been told that I am giving you the grain to keep you here, that is not true. On the contrary, I ask you to go with all your belongings to our estate near Moscow, and I promise you I will see to it that there you shall want for nothing. You shall be given food and lodging. The princess stopped. Sighs were the only sound heard in the crowd. I am not doing this on my own account, she continued. I do it in the name of my dead father, who was a good master to you, and of my brother and his son. Again she paused, and no one broke the silence. "'Ours is a common misfortune, and we share it together. "'All that is mine is yours,' she concluded, scanning the faces before her. "'All eyes were gazing at her with one and the same expression. "'She could not fathom whether it was curiosity, devotion, gratitude, "'or apprehension and distrust. "'But the expression on all the faces was identical. "'We are all very thankful for your bounty, "'but it won't do for us to take the landlord's grain,' "'said a voice at the back of the crowd. "'Why not?' asked the princess.' No one replied, and the Princess Mary, looking round at the crowd, found that, she, that every eye she met now was immediately dropped. "'But why don't you want to take it?' she asked again. No one answered. The silence began to oppress the princess, and she tried to catch someone's eye. "'Why don't you speak?' she inquired, of a very old man who stood just in front of her, leaning on his stick. "'If you think something more is wanted, tell me I will do anything,' said she, catching his eye." But as if this angered him, he bent his head quite low and muttered, Why should we agree? We don't want the grain. Why should we give up everything? We don't agree. Don't agree. We are sorry for you, but we are not willing. Go away yourself, alone, came from various sides of the crowd. And again, all the faces in that crowd bore an identical expression, though now it was certainly not an expression of of curiosity or gratitude, but of angry resolve. But you can't have understood me, said Princess Mary with a sad smile. Why don't you want to go? I promised to house and feed you, while here the enemy would ruin you. But her voice was drowned by the voices of the crowd. We're not willing. Let them ruin us. We won't take your grain. We don't agree. Again, Princess Mary tried to catch someone's eye, but not a single eye in the crowd was turned to her. Evidently, they were all trying to avoid her. Look, she felt strange and awkward. Oh, yes, an artful tale. Follow her into slavery. Pull down your ho- houses and go into bondage. I dare say I'll give you grain. Indeed, she says. Voices in the crowd were heard saying, "With dropping, with drooping head, Princess Mary left the crowd and went back to the house. Having repeated her order to Dron to have horses ready for her departure next morning, she went to her home, to her room, and remained alone with her own thoughts." All right, there we go. Another chapter down for you, Mary. Maybe coming to realize that slaves don't really want to be slaves <laughs> is that is that an accurate uh an accurate summary something along those lines all right guys have a say about the uh the chapter on the subreddit and i'll see you tomorrow